Hi, welcome to Enlightened Empaths, your community for the spiritually awakened. Today, we're going to be talking about what's on our summer book list. So take out a pen and paper and write down some notes or feel free to share your own with us. But we thought it would be fun to talk about some of the books we have read or plan on reading this summer. I don't know about you, Denise, but throughout this year, except for work, I haven't read as much for pleasure. I've listened to a lot of books on Audible, but I haven't read as much as I normally do. I haven't either. And it's I have quite the stack that I'm hoping to get to this summer. Yeah, me too. And I really hope that I do. I mean, we've read some great books this year for our podcast guests coming on. Mm -hmm. And I've listened to some good reads when I'm, you know, out driving or walking. But in terms of sitting down and reading a book, I have stopped and started a lot. And I think I've finished about maybe 12 books this year, which is really unlike me. Yeah, you're a very avid reader. So that is, that's a low number for you. Should we start? Do you want to share your some of your books? Sure. The first book I'd like to talk about is Energy Strands by Denise Lynn. And this is the ultimate guide to clearing the cords that are constricting your life. It's a great read. It's very clear. And it gives you some incredible techniques on what you can actually do. I mean, Samantha and I have talked a lot, a lot about different cord cutting techniques. A lot of you already have your own ways of doing this. This has a lot of those in the book, but also some different ones that uh, I hadn't read before. But I like her style of writing. It's really easy. You feel like you're having a conversation with her. She's incredibly, incredibly knowledgeable. And she bases the blurb on the back is, you know, native shamanic traditions tell us there are cords, strands, threads, and filament of energy that flow to and through us, connecting us to everyone and everything in the universe. And then she goes on to say some are vibrant and alive, and, and but these are extremely powerful forces. And she shows you how to, in the book, discover what might be an attachment to family, friends, lovers, past lives, pets, how to cut strands with toxic people in unhealthy relationships, how to activate specific techniques to protect and shield your energy. And also she implements space clearing techniques to bring harmony into your home. I really enjoyed it. I think it's a nice reference book for people to have on their shelf. And as I said, there's a lot of information you may be familiar with, but there's also a lot of new information as well. I'm so excited. That's on my list to read this summer too. I like all of her books. I like the way she writes. It's very accessible. Mm -hmm. So I picked some books that I have read and some that I'm hoping to read this summer. So one of the books that I'm hoping to read this summer is called The Physics of Angels, Exploring the Realm Where Science and Spirit Meet by Rupert Sheldrake and Matthew Fox. So Rupert Sheldrake, most of you might know him from that famous study he did about how dogs can sense when their owners are coming home. Mm -hmm. So he's done a lot of really cool studies that kind of prove the science behind the collective conscious. And then Matthew Fox is a spiritual reader, uh, speaker, and writer. So the book says it's, it's about many people believe in angels, but few can define these enigmatic spirits. Now visionary theologian Matthew Fox and acclaimed biologist Rupert Sheldrake, pioneers in modern religious thinking and scientific theory, launch a groundbreaking exploration into the ancient concept of the angel and restore dignity, meaning, and joy to our time-honored belief in these heavenly beings. 
So when I looked through, through the book, it's kind of more like a conversation between this more science-minded man and this, and then Matthew, this more religious-focused man, and how the two are coming at the history and belief in the angelic realm. Oh, that sounds fascinating. I know. I'm excited. I'll, I'll let you guys know if it's good. And you know, I want to go back to what you just said about the dogs knowing, because I've always watched that, that how do does the dog know the school bus is coming? Yes, they're programmed or... But even now that my sons are grown, if they're coming to see me, Grace, my little dog, will know before they get to the house. Like she'll start getting excited when they're about 10, 15 minutes away. And we we have the little birdie now too. I have the little birdie. And when my son that that bird is really connected to comes into the house, the bird gets so excited. I, I love this. It's all energy and frequency. I do too. And in his study, they would do so many things to disprove that theory, you know, you were talking about of its routine and they would have owners come home at different times, mm -hmm. they would have dogs in different locations and have the owner come to that new location. They would have the, the person drive a different car. It didn't matter every single time the dog knew. I, I absolutely love that. I really do. Um, my next book is The Keys to the Universe by Diana Cooper and Kathy Crosswell. And this is how to access the ancient secrets by attuning to the power and wisdom of the cosmos. Again, her description is how to communicate knowledge held by the ancient civilizations and cultures. And there are 48 keys that will enable you to unlock the secrets of other realms, such as animal and natural kingdoms, the elementals, different archangels, other angelic beings, cosmic masters, and, and wisdom centers. And then there are two golden cosmic keys, hollow earth and Sirius, which allow you to attune to the wisdom of the whole cosmos. And there's an attached CD with the book that comes with it, but people don't have CDs anymore. So you know that it's a, an older book, but I'm sure you could find it online. Each of the 50 keys has a different note, which you can listen to. And it kind of attunes that way as well. But this is very much about discovering how to unlock the hidden energies of the etheric realms and expand your consciousness, which, you know, we've, we've talked about this of how the fluidity between the realms is becoming much more easy to navigate. So, you know, as we're both mediums and you can access your, your loved ones in spirit and, or you may go to a different level and, and access your, your guides and angels. But this is, I know that for myself and for other folks I've talked to, it just seems like there's more uh, more play between the realms, if that makes any sense. It's easier to go up and down through those different frequencies. And I think this book could be a great resource for learning to do that with more ease. Well, that sounds really exciting. So is each chapter on one of the keys? Well, it's broken down, yes. Now, let me just randomly open it because that's what I'm being nudged to do. Okay, so it says the key of the Maoris is to develop intuition and in tune to the sacred mysteries of the universe. The sound of that is clapping. The color is mid-blue. And then there's a visualization exercise. There's an exercise to explore your background. So she goes into the ancient civilizations for the first five keys. Then the ancient cultures are after that. The portals, the kingdoms. And, and then in the second part of the book, it's the second golden cosmic key of Sirius. So it, there's so much information in here. 
sacred geometry, animal connections, color connections, sound therapy, really, really good resource as well. Wow. Okay. The next one on my list is also a book I've not yet read, but I hope to. Two of the books that I did finish this year um, are called The Time Traveler's Guide to the Middle Ages and A Time Traveler's Guide to the Elizabethan Age by Dr. Ian Mortimer. And so I really enjoyed those. I know they're not anything to do with enlightened empaths. So I was looking at his fiction work and he has a book called The Outcast of Time by Ian Mortimer. And it sounds really, really good. Here's what the description says. December 1348. What if you had just six days to save your soul? With the country in the grip of the Black Death, brothers John and William fear that they will shortly die and suffer in the afterlife. But as the end draws near, they are given an unexpected choice, either to go home and spend their last six days in their familiar world, or to search for salvation across the forthcoming centuries, living each one of their remaining days, 99 years after the last. John and William choose the future and find themselves in 1447, ignorant of almost everything going on around them. The year 1546 brings no more comfort. 1645 challenges them in further unexpected ways. It's not just that technology is changing. Things they have taken for granted all their lives prove to be short-lived. As they find themselves in stranger and stranger times, the reader travels with them, seeing the world through their eyes as it shifts through through disease, progress, enlightenment, and war. But their time is running out. Can they do something to redeem themselves before their six days are up? Doesn't that sound interesting? And I feel like it will help as the reader to kind of look at worries and anxieties that are on your mind in a new perspective, because I love that line when it says, you know, that things they thought were timeless or meaningful really were transient as they kept catapulting 99 years into the future. Right. Oh, that sounds like a very interesting book. He's a really good writer. If anyone out there is a history buff like I am too, all of his books are very easy to read. They do not come off like textbooks. It's almost like, I love that he calls all of his nonfiction books a time traveler's guide because that's what it feels like. So I'm really excited to jump into this fiction and and I I think it's going to be good. Um, my, my next books are, I'm going to bring up two because it's the same topic, but I love them both. And they're both, on, one is Soul Retrieval, Mending the Fragment Itself by Sandra Ingerman. And the other one is Mending the Past and Healing the Future with Soul Retrieval, Alberto Valaldo. Both of these talk about techniques and ways to bring back pieces of yourself you may have lost from trauma, grief, circumstances. And again, it's, it's about revisiting that time of loss to bring that piece of, your part, of yourself back so that you can heal with where you are now. And, you know, you can do it through journeying. You can do it with, there's similarities between the two books, but there's also unique techniques in both. So um, I, I find them both very interesting. And there's stories about different things people did and how they found those pieces of themselves. So I think there's more of a, uh, more and more people are feeling that drawing connection to to release those old parts of themselves that have been holding them stuck or trapped. And this is a technique to help do that. Oh, I feel that strongly too. I think with all this eclipse energy we're experiencing this summer, 
a lot of people are starting to recognize and release and let go of so much old stuff. Mm -hmm. That's a great, great choice. Okay, the next one on my list is called Wild Mercy, Living the Fierce and Tender Wisdom of the Woman Mystics by Mirabe Starr. And she is just a great writer. I have read, she has taken some of the old books that the saints have written, like The Dark Night of the Soul by John of the Cross and The Interior Castle by St. Teresa Avila. And she translates it in such a way that it's very easy for us in the 21st century to read and understand without letting go of their essential meaning behind their words. And in this book, she um, shares the subversive wisdom and fierce compassion of the feminine mystic across cultural boundaries and throughout histories. So she talks about saints and sages, goddesses, archetypal energies to contemporary teachers and seekers. And in this book, you'll meet women who blazed a path that will help illuminate your own. And so I think this is a great choice for a summer read because each chapter is on a different woman mystic. And so if you're going to the beach or the pool or the lake or just sitting out on your own deck and you only have 30 minutes here or an hour there, it's a great book to take with you because you can just dive into one chapter and really get a full taste of what this book is, has to share. Oh, I love that. That that sounds really interesting and also for lack of a better word, very empowering to align with that energy of each of the mystics. You know, it really is. I've read a lot of books like this. And one thing I find so much comfort in is knowing that people throughout the ages have felt the same way you and I feel. And it's very comforting to know that. And it's also very enlightening to see how they got through their dark nights of the soul, to see how they experienced illumination, spiritual awakening, triumph, tragedy. You can really learn from other people's stories this way. Yes, you can. My next book is an older book, but I love this. And every once in a while, every few years, I pick it up. It's a very gentle, easy read. And the name of it is All the Joy You Can Stand by Debrina Jackson Gandy. And it was a national bestseller, probably, I think, the early 2000s. But it's 101 Sacred Power Principles for Making Joy Real in Your Life. And each of the 101 principles is just a few pages. I'll just randomly open up to one and see what we get. Get ready, get set, grow. We're designed and wired for growing, loving, expanding, and evolving. So why is it so many of us resist? And then we'll go into what that's like, how you can you can work with that energy, but give and receive grace, graciously is another one develop your prosperity consciousness, but each one and there's stories and techniques and quotes that interweave with each one of these 101. Sometimes when I'm feeling overwhelmed, I like to have a book that is just that a couple pages, like read it before you go to sleep at night, or you just want something. You, you don't want to get into something that's going to pull you into three hours of reading. You just want, what, what is it? It's like a perpetual calendar. What is the word I'm looking for? Um, like a little nugget of truth each night. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that could be like a gent or first thing in the morning or when you're waiting for your kid's dentist appointment, whatever it might be. But for me, I like to have a book that I'm reading that's uplifting, that's quick, that, as we always say, raises our va vibration. That um, Because a lot of the stuff I read is, is heavy, it's self-help, it's juju stuff. And this is just kind of a fun, uplifting book. Well, I'm going to mention 
two books quickly that I think are really great for anyone who's going through a spiritual awakening right now. One is called Knowledge of the Higher Worlds and Its Attainment on Consciousness, Dream Life, and Initiation by Rudolf Steiner. It's an older book as well, but it's been recently reprinted. And it's called The Quintessential Guide for the Spiritual Seeker from a Deeply Gifted Mystic. So if you guys haven't heard of Rudolf Steiner or read his work, I think this is a great place to start. It really discusses the the steps in a spiritual awakening that you will go through. It talks a lot about how everyone has inner psychic gifts and how to connect with those abilities. So it's, it's just one of those books that you'll underline like every other sentence because it just all speaks to you. And then the other book on a very similar topic was sent to me by a listener friend. It's called Power Versus Force, The Hidden Determinants of Human Behavior by Dr. David Hawkins. And it again, it talks all about consciousness and our free will and how we can really tap that power of choice within us when we understand what is going on inside of us and around us and see it as all connected. So if anyone is looking to really understand their own consciousness and dive into their spiritual awakening, I really recommend those two books. Sound great. My next book is a little bit different. It's called The Second Half of Life, Opening the Eight Gates of Wisdom. And it's by Angelise Arian. And even though it's geared towards people at midlife or older, I think it would also be appropriate for, for younger listeners who may have people in their life that are older or look ahead to say, oh, this is some things that I'm going to face later on. But it breaks it down into pretty much having the courage to change at midlife. And it's about opening your character, deepening, strengthening, softening, all the things, but it goes through step-by-step in sequential order that when you get to that, those eight gates of of initiation into the second half of your life, uh, you'll go through the silver gate, which is facing new experiences in the unknown, the white picket gate, changing identities, discovering one's true face, the clay gate, intimacy, sensuality, sexuality, the black and white gate, relationships, the crucible of love, generosity, betrayal, forgiveness. And it goes right up until the last gate of non-attachment, surrender, and letting go. But each one, each chapter goes into the emotional, physical, spiritual things you may go through during these transitional times and also how to best embrace that so you can live as fully and completely as possible for the second half of the game. Wow, that sounds very powerful. You know, as I visit my dad in his Alzheimer's assisted living home almost every day, I'm getting to know a lot of the other guests that are with him. And a lot of them are much further along, or should I say, he's further along in Alzheimer's than they are. So a lot of the women are still able to converse and tell their stories. Mm -hmm. Denise, it's fascinating because you can see in the stories they tell over and over where they have gotten stuck in their lives and where they have not gone through that last gate of letting go. Right. There's this one woman, every time I see her, she tells me the story of how when they moved to Wilmington 30 years ago, she went to Sears and had to buy, you know, everything for her house, appliances and some furniture. And so they talked her into opening up a store card. And when her husband got the bill, he was so mad. He didn't speak to her for almost a year. And she tells you that every time you see every her? Every time I see her. And it breaks my heart. Oh. 
it always fascinates me what where and i think that's interesting that they get stuck in those places or a friend of mine his wife passed from alzheimer's this this past year but she went back to happy places and i i think it's interesting where people because i think you can get stuck or you can go back to a part of your life that you really really loved I find that fascinating too. Yeah. Some of them do go back to happy places. There's another woman there who I just adore. Every time I see her, she blesses me and she's always in a good mood. She always has her nails painted and she's always has a hat on and is very well dressed. And she told me that she was born and raised in an orphanage with her brothers. And she says, I can't believe I'm back here. I loved being in that orphanage and I'm And so she feels that this retirement home is her old orphanage. Oh, I know. Oh, that just touches my heart. I know. They all really, really touch my heart. It's, it's fascinating. And it's, it's just really made me journal a lot about life because I think, gosh, what are going, what are the stories going to be that I'm going to retell over and over? You know, like you said, are they going to be happy stories or sad stories? Right. Also, a good nudge for all of us to do our work now. So hopefully they will be happy stories. Exactly. Well, my next book has the number eight in it, too. It's called The Power of Eight by Dr. Lynn McTaggart. Have you read this? I have. It's a great book. It really is. The subtitle is Harnessing the Miraculous Energies of a Small Group to Heal Others, Your Life, and the World. And so she talks about how you can, with a group of people, affect powerful change in your life. And so it's got riveting stories of hundreds of people who have experienced the life-altering transformations through her techniques, where she teaches you to harness the collective energies of the power of eight and unleash the power you hold inside of you to heal your own life and the world around you. So when I read this years ago, and I've, I'm rereading it this summer because it's been a while for me. Um, Deb Joel and I, my, my friends Deb Joel and I, we started The Power of Three. <laughs> we didn't have eight of us. And we had one of us had emailed uh, Lynn McTaggart, and one of her people emailed us back and said, it doesn't have to be eight people. Eight is just a traditional number of power because, you know, if you put it on your side, it becomes the infinity symbol. But as long as you have more than two people in a group, and you are all praying or intending for another person's outcome, it does come to pass. And um, we've done this several times and whatever we've asked the other two to pray for, for us, it does come to pass. It's fascinating to try it in your own life. So if you're interested in manifesting something this year or having a prayer answered or really just putting something new out into the world and you want to invite the help of friends who are with you on this journey, you might want to check check out The Power of Eight by Lynn McTaggart. And it's well-written. It's a a nice read, isn't it? It really is. Yeah. Very, again, very easy to read. You know, some books are heavy and dense and you got to take them in small bites, but I think most of the ones we've recommended are pretty easy reads. Yes. Now, my next book I have not read, but I'm very excited to read. And it's the new book by Martha Beck, The Way of Integrity, finding the path to your true self. And in this book, she shows about, she writes about how having integrity, word that simply means wholeness, this is from from the book jacket, 
gives us purpose, emotional healing, and a life free of mental suffering. She presents a clear-cut process anyone can use to regain integrity and overcome lifelong patterns like people-pleasing, self-sabotage, destructive habits, and feeling stuck. All of these dysfunctions arise when we lose touch with what really makes us feel whole. And she based this on the divine comedy. So she, with Dante's classic hero's journal as a framework, and then breaks down the process of attaining personal integrity into smaller steps. So throughout the book, because I've opened it up and peeked a little bit, she teaches you how to read the internal signals that are always leading you toward your true path and how to recognize what we actually yearn for rather than what culture tells us. And this book is really being promoted a lot on, on podcasts and, and different venues. So there's a lot, but it, it's really a combination of useful information, wholeness, and, and bringing you back to your spiritual core which for so many of us, I think right now is if it's not real and true and genuine, there's no room for it. And I think this book could be a really good uh, resource for all of us. Oh, that sounds, I love her. She is just phenomenal. And maybe it'll help me understand the divine comedy better. That is <laughs> Have you read that? The divine comedy? Yeah. Oh, years and years and years ago. Yeah, me too. I had to read it for college in one of my classes and I understood it because the teacher really broke it down for us and walked us through it. And then I tried rereading it a couple of years ago and I was like, okay, I need a new edition. <laughs> this is just really heavy stuff. The next one on my list is not heavy at all. Well, I guess you could say it is, but I just wanted to include a book of poetry out there for our poetry lovers. Mm -hmm. And mine is called The Illuminated Rumi. Let me grab it real quick. It's a big book, but it's just beautiful. It's not really a coffee table book, but it's that size. It's called The Illuminated Rumi by Coleman Barks. And I have a lot of books of Rumi's poems because he's just my favorite poet. And this is my favorite because it has all of the best poetry and stories that he's told. And it's also beautifully illustrated. And so sometimes what I like to do on my perfect mornings, which don't happen a lot, but I like to wake up and make a cup of tea and read a little bit from The Course in Miracles and then read a little bit from this. It's such a great way to start my day when I determine to do it. Do you ever have those big ideas and goals, Denise, and then you don't really do it? Oh, no, I never have that happen. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. But he just always writes something that that just makes me think differently about mm -hmm. myself, others, my day, things that are on my mind. Um, so I just read this and reread it all the time. That's nice. I love books that you can just revisit like that. I have several of those books and they're like old dear friends. And you can just, and sometimes I'll, I, don't you find that just comfort and something you can pick up the familiarity and the. I, I like that. I do too. I do too. You know, nothing to do with spirituality, but one of those writers for me is Rosalind Pilcher. She uh -huh. wrote The Shell Seekers, Coming Home, September. I can revisit those books all the time. Yes. Oh, that's lovely. My next book is different. It's The Urban Homestead, Your Guide to Self-Sufficient Living in the Heart of the City. And I read this years and years ago, and it's by Kelly... C-O-Y-N-E and Eric Knutson. 
And it's not a, a novel or self-help book, but it's little ways you can implement uh, living sustainably no matter where you are. So even if you have a balcony, it talks about growing herbs or different things you can do. If you, if you have a little tiny backyard, it's all about, and I think as empaths, and, and it does go into, you know, can I, if you wanted to have chickens or uh, make a solar food dryer or how to transplant, or it's just a wealth of information. But I think myself and for so many of us as empaths, that outside time, that connection with nature, that, that being able to take care of ourselves and be self-sustaining is a wonderful, wonderful balance to all of the energy that's in the world right now. Wow, that sounds exciting. You know, I have an herb garden and every year I tend to it and it grows lovely. And I look at the basil and the parsley and the sage and I think I need to cook more. And I don't know what's happened to me throughout this whole COVID year. I just don't feel like cooking anymore. I absolutely hate it. I do it, but I don't enjoy it. And I mm -hmm. look at that basil and I'm like, yeah, I never made you pesto, did I? So you know what I did this spring? I finally got my lavender to grow. It's taken Ooh. me years to figure out how to grow lavender in my weird wonky soil. And someone gave me a tip to plant cement pieces around the lavender. I'm in zoning. Oh. So I don't know if, I don't know, but she said that would help and boy did it. And so now I have huge, beautiful, I have two types of lavender growing. And so I planted valerian, St. John's wort, chamomile. Anyway, I'm making it a tea garden now. Oh, that's nice. Because I thought I love to drink tea all the time. I'm going to try to dry it and make my own. I don't know if it's going to work. I'll have to ask you, Denise, to help me. Yeah. Oh, that that's a nice process. And and it also, you'll know exactly there it hasn't been sprayed or contaminated or, oh, I love that. That's great. You probably don't ever do that, do you? Because you've actually lived off the grid, but I do that. I look at my sage. I look at I've rosemary. I used to, I have this huge rosemary bush. I used to cook so much, Denise, that I would take the rosemary and I would make it into little um, kebabs and I'd put mm -hmm. tortellini on it and fresh tomatoes and I would serve that on a plate. I used to be so into my cooking. And now I look at the rosemary and I'm like, oh, you look good, but I'm not going to do anything with you. Well, it's different. You're in a, as we've said before, you're in a different season of your life and the girls are older and going in all these different directions. It it comes and goes. <laughs> it's so hard. I bought like great, great steaks to, I, I never, I'm not a big meat eater, uh, but my iron levels were down. So I bought these really, really good steaks. And I was like, all right, I'm going to make this big fancy meal and I'm marinating the steaks. And I got the Bernays sauce packet out and I'm getting all ready to get my potatoes. And my middle daughter goes, mom, I have to work tonight. And my older daughter goes, don't, don't you remember I'm babysitting? And I'm like, oh, there goes that meal. So yeah, that might be part of it. <laughs> but I would definitely love to check out that book about trying to be more sustainable. How long did you live off the grid? Oh, different times in my life, different segments. I mean, a couple of years solid. And then, but then even where I live in town now, I had chickens and organic gardens and did all of that stuff and raised broilers and did all those things right on and in town lot. So you can do a whole lot with a small space. And the cool thing about doing it that way is you're, it's a gentler footprint. So I used to raise enough chicken for what we would consume in the coming year. And so I think being conscious and there's less, uh, 
less water, less land use, less tear. So there's a lot of, you can really get down the rabbit hole with that stuff as far as, but it's amazing, amazing what you can do on a little tiny patch of land. I heard this woman being interviewed. She's the mother of seven children. And the interviewer said, what was the hardest thing about raising seven children? And she said, my grocery bill. Mm -hmm. And she said, but I learned how to live off mostly what we grew and my grocery bill is $400 a month. Right. I was like, and holy cow. Where are I you? Was, I was talking with a woman in uh, Hawaii probably six, eight months ago. And she said, what's really cool where she lives is that if she's growing one thing in her yard and her neighbor is growing something else, they trade, they share. It's real community. And I think that's a wonderful thing. If you have a surplus of a certain thing in your yard, you can gift it. You can bring it to a food pantry. You can find a neighbor who might enjoy it. So it can be a real community bonding and a great way to, to meet people and help other folks out. Okay. Well, my next book, um, I actually just started rereading it last week. I have a big bookshelf. Well, I have bookshelves in every room in my house. I think everyone should, uh, except the bathrooms, but every other room has books in it. And for me, Denise, looking at my shelves of books, it's it's like a time traveling machine. Do you feel that way? Like you can look at a book and remember where you were and what you were doing when you read it? For some books, yes. I love that. So anyway, my oldest daughter came home from college uh, early in May, and she's getting ready to sell all her books back. And so she's an English major. So these aren't textbooks. They're, you know, fiction books. And and I said, Livia, don't, don't sell those back, keep them. And she said, why? I've read them. And I'm like, uh, look at my bookshelves. <laughs> we walk back to my big bookshelf and I have a whole shelf of all the books I kept from college. And she was like, you held on to these? And I said, yes, I did. And I pulled out this book and I started rereading it. Um, and she's rereading volume two. Um, it's called Second to None, A Documented History of American Woman. And it's by Dr. Ruth Moynihan. Now, she was my history teacher for a lot of my classes at UConn. And I love this woman so much. She's now passed on to the other side. But she's really the one who inspired me to major in history and to become a teacher. She had raised six or seven children, a large family. Her husband was a professor of history at UConn. And when she was 60 years old and she had raised all her children, she went back for college, to finish her college degree, and to get her PhD. And when I met her, she was in her 70s and had been a full-time professor for about 10 years and had already written two books. And I just find that so inspiring for anyone who's like, oh, well, I'm too old to go back to school or it's too late for me. I always think of Dr. Moynihan. And this book is absolutely phenomenal. It's again, it's one of those books you can pick up and put down because it's just a compilation of diaries, letters, and essays from women to women about what was going on in that time period. And it's just absolutely eye-opening. There's this whole journal that this really tough, loving, wonderful woman wrote. She was married to a very not nice man and she had three children and she just, one time he hit her and she just said, that's the last time. And she got up, packed her bags and she left her husband. She left her children and she got on a carriage 
like a horse and carriage. I think she was in Illinois and she went all the way to Texas where her sister was with her husband on a homestead. Can you imagine that? And she writes so beautifully about how painful it was to leave her children, but she knew that her sister-in-law would take care of them. And she knew that her husband would never hurt those kids, that he would just, you know, kind of keep drinking and move on to other women. Mm-hmm. And she knew that if she could just get away and get her own money that she could then send for her kids. So I'm reading this expert of this journal last week and I'm like, what's going to happen to her? She gets to Texas and her sister is like, yeah, I can't really help you right now. So she's stuck in this boarding house in Texas, knowing nobody. And she helps the owner of the boarding house cook. And the owner's like, you're a really good cook. And so she rents, I think it's out the back of a butcher shop, this little room. And she just starts cooking meals for all the men going to and from work with all the industry that's coming up in Texas around this time. And she starts her own business. She cleans houses, she cooks, and finally she saves up enough money and the excerpt ends with her sending for her children and them arriving. Oh, I know so much bravery in this book. I cannot tell you. And you just realize, I mean, what, what people went through, you know, there's another story about a woman and, her husband goes out to collect water. They're on this homestead out in the prairie and he doesn't come back for a day. And the next day she goes and finds him. He broke his leg, you know, just falling on the slippery rocks, trying to collect water and she can't carry him back. And there's nobody around for miles. There's no cell phones. And it's about how she, you know, puts together a stretcher and saves him and gets him back. It takes her days. It's just amazing to think about how people struggled not that long ago. Right. And how resourceful you can be when you really are in those situations. Yeah, yeah. And I just love having all of Dr. Moynihan's books on my shelf because it just reminds me that anything is possible and that there is time for all of us to do everything we want to do. I always enjoy reading books when I know the person who wrote them. Oh, yeah. It just, it it feels different. I agree. Uh, This next book I haven't, read but I've wanted to read for a really long time you know those books where you you buy them and they sit and you say oh I should really read that I should really read that and I've wanted to read this for so I'm really hoping that I do and it's it's a little um you know how I chant all the time about how much I love brain chemistry and blah 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 but it's limitless by Jim Quick upgrade your brain learn anything faster and unlock your exceptional life and I love his story and that's what really initially brought me into wanting to read this book was he had a brain injury when he was a kid that left him with learning challenges. So that ties in with my background as well. And he developed all these strategies to dramatically enhance his mental performance. So he's to get dedicated his life. He wrote this book and it's broken down into how to become limitless by freeing your mind a limitless mindset, like dispelling the seven lies of learning of, for those of us who may be wired a little differently, or may have struggled with traditional education, or have someone in our lives that this may fit, because we're all so, everything's so instantaneous, we're not developing the memory skills that we've had to in the past. People, I was talking with or reading some, I don't remember where it was, but someone was saying they could make a phone call, but they didn't have their phone. So they had no way of knowing the number. And the people that I talk to all the time, 
you could not pay me enough money to tell you what their phone number is. I have absolutely no idea. And I think anything we can do to enhance our memory at this point is probably a good thing. Um, you know, so seven lies of learning, finding limitless motivation, ways to transform these limitless men through calming your mind, breathing, scheduling time for distractions. But what I love, it's a very empowering book on how to align with your brain chemistry and have more, more time to learn more things, which, I mean, I think that's one of the reasons you and I get along so well is we're both lifelong learners in the true sense of the word. We don't tap out and say, oh, well, I've done that. Now I'm just going to sit and watch old reruns. Oh, totally agree. That sounds really, really impactful. And, uh, Something I probably need to read with the history of Alzheimer's in my family. <laughs> okay, the last one on my list is one that I got this year and I, I did read this year. It's a good read. It's a hard read. I don't mean in terms of like, oh, it's difficult concepts. It just brings up a lot. It's called The Body Never Lies, The Lingering Effects of Hurtful Parenting by Alice mm-hmm. Miller. And the description says, Never before has world-renowned psychoanalyst Alice Miller examined so persuasively the long-ranging consequences of childhood abuse on the body. Using the experiences of her patients, along with the biographical stories of literary giants, such as Virginia Woolf, Franz Kafka, Marcel Proust, Miller shows how a child's humiliation, impotence, and bottled rage will manifest itself as adult illness, be it cancer, stroke, or other debilitating diseases. Never one to shy away from controversy, Miller urges society as a whole to jettison its belief in the fourth commandment and not to extend forgiveness to parents whose tyrannical child-rearing methods have resulted in unhappy and often ruined adult lives. In this empowering work, writes Rutgers professor Philip Grevin, readers will learn how to confront the overt and covert traumas of their own childhoods with the enlightened guidance of Alice Miller. So if anyone out there had a difficult childhood, whether it was through emotional abuse or physical trauma, and you also were raised Christian and that fourth commandment kind of weighs over you like a, you know, like a very heavy weighted crown that you have to obey your parents, you might want to check out that book. I'll I'll tell you that commandment has affected me a lot in terms of dealing with my difficult mom. And I talked to my priest about it. And he said, um, he said, really, that commandment should be rewritten and it should read, honor your honorable parents. Oh, I thought that was really impactful. Yes. And that sounds oh. like a really useful book for people to, to release and heal. Yeah, it's really, really good. And I think a lot of our uh, enlightened, empathic listeners will enjoy it. Yes. I have one final book, and it's an introductory guide, so it's not really in-depth, but it's the Akashic Records, Unlocking the Infinite Power, Wisdom, and Energy of the Universe by Sandra Ann Taylor. And I really like Sandra Ann Taylor's work. I have some of her Oracle decks. I've read some of her other books. But in this book, she talks about, it, it's more of, more simplistic. It's not really in-depth, but it gives you a good broad range of if it's something you'd like to explore a little bit more but it covers uh, what the Akashic records really are and how to tap into their ever-present power, how to travel the eternal timeline to investigate the past, present, and potential future, how past lives are influencing you today and what you can do to rewrite those records, 
and and it goes on and on with that. So I, I think that could be a, a good, and it's an easy read, but it is, um, I think anything we can do to explore our own inner knowing and get more insight into why we do the things we do, that always fascinates me. And, and uh, I think it leads to further growth and development. Me too. And if you look at ancient religious text and older mystics, they all reference a hall of records in some way, shape, or form. Right. And so there's definitely something to it. And I like that a lot of these new authors are saying anyone can access your own Acacia records. Right. Now, my book just came in the mail because you and I are getting ready to do a show in a couple of weeks on, is it her sister's book, The Power of Words? Yes. Yeah. I like the two of them. I have a lot of their Oracle decks. Yeah. And so they're very uh, grounded, very grounded, very, I'd love to do some work with them at some point. Oh, I would love that. Yeah. And so we're going to do a show on um, the power of your words. And I started reading that, Denise. It's really good. It makes you think a lot about what just so flippantly comes out of your mouth. Well, that's interesting because I was saying something the other day and I caught myself halfway through. It was, you know, when you something starting to come out of your mouth, you say, ooh, I really need to rephrase that. I don't want to put that out into the universe because it feels like things are manifesting so much more quickly and anything that is going to maybe not bring in the highest and best. I don't, I don't want any part of that right now. Yeah, I agree. Well, we hope we've given you guys some books to add to your reading list. And I think what we hope most of all is that you find the time and give yourself the permission to carve out that sacred space to enjoy some reading time with yourself to really illuminate and awaken and further yourself on your own spiritual journey. And as we said in the beginning, if you have some books that you'd love to recommend that we add to our reading list, you can always email us enlightenedempaths at gmail.com, or you can message us on Facebook where you can find us at Enlightened Empaths. Thank you guys so much for listening. Please remember as always to show up, do great work and share your light. Take care.